Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. I tell you what, you should have been here for the 8 a.m. service. It was, it was amazing. We're right in the middle of the service. I'm preaching away, talking about the power of God. And literally, there was an electric surge from, apparently from the city, and there was this loudest boom. I thought I'd been shot. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Ask somebody that was here. It was like everything went dark. The whole room went dark. It's like boom, like you hear when a big transformer blows. And whew, I thought Jesus was coming back. I got all excited for a nanosecond. Then I looked around and we were all still here. I'm like, I hope he didn't come back. We're in trouble, right? Right? So, uh, well, we're grateful that you're watching with us. If you're watching online, if you're here this morning, we're excited again as we continue to go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We're in uh, the book of Daniel this week. And we're in the book of Ezekiel, and it's kind of bouncing back and forth because it's in chronological order. And when I realized that in this week's reading was Ezekiel 47, I was like, that's it. I've got to at least use this as our launching pad because I, it's one of my favorite passages when it comes to talking about what God is up to and the life of the church because it's where we got the name for the church. In Ezekiel 47, God gives Ezekiel a vision. And it's the vision of the temple. And out of this temple, see, is this river that begins to flow. <laughs> okay, that's pretty wild. For those that are watching online, literally, as I start talking about the river flowing, we hear the rain coming in a downpour. Now, my special effects today, Lord is really helping me with. <laughs> that is... Oh, that's crazy. Okay, so Ezekiel has this vision, and this river is flowing out of this temple, and the further away it goes, the deeper the water gets, the more there is uh, life in the river and beside on the banks. The trees are growing, the, the, the fish are swarming, and then the river goes into the Dead Sea. Now, you got to understand the Dead Sea was called the Dead Sea because it was a Dead Sea. Literally, there's no life in the Dead Sea. I've been there. It is so full of salt that you can just sit there and you can't even go underwater. We are all trying to play the game of trying to submerge ourselves completely, and you couldn't do it. Uh, the only way I could get my head underwater was if I went upside down and left my feet out of the water because that's how much salt is in the Dead Sea. So nothing lives but it says here that when that river flows, it'll even bring the dead to life. So, Ezekiel 47, if you got your Bibles, you can jump in there with me. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple, and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, 
He took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across, and it was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Jesus Christ said he is the living water. He is the one that gives life and freedom. And when his living water is flowing through us, we become his river in our culture and in our community. And you and I have the privilege of being his river in Putnam County. And when I read that, I was like, that's got to be the name of the church. So that wherever this church, meaning you, people are the church, right? We started in a cafeteria, okay? We didn't have our own building. It was easier for people to remember then that the people are the church. When you get your own building, people tend to say, oh, we'll meet at the church. No, the building is not the church. The people are the church, okay? So just remember that. You are the church. And so wherever you flow, where you live, where you work, where you play, you have the opportunity to bring the light of Christ, the living water that he is, into every environment you encounter. Now, this is exciting to me. It's been part of our vision from day one is that that's the kind of influence we would have. And our goal has been to influence Cookville in such a way that this place would be different because we're here. I was challenged early on in, in church planting by a question that was asked. And the question that was asked was, if your church disappeared and closed down overnight, would your community even notice it? If your church ceased to exist, what would be the effect in the community? And I, I really believe it would be a huge detriment to our community if our bodies ceased to exist, not because of me, but because of you living your calling out wherever you are at. We went to the Fall Fun Fest over the weekend, and uh, we've been doing this ever since we've started. We literally go there and just love. We had like 15 to 16 people in this booth. We're making animal balloons. We're painting faces. We're, we're giving uh, stuff out to kids and families. And, and there's a line backed up uh, based on, and I'm going, man, we are trying to do this as fast as we can. And there's still people just waiting. And we're, having to, uh, we're getting a chance to talk to them. But one of the ladies said this. Uh, I invited her to church and said, hey, if you don't have a church home, we'd love to invite you to come to the river. And, and uh, so they said, well, you know, we have a church home, but I know of your church, 
And I know of all the good things y'all do in our community, and, and y'all been a real blessing to our community. And I was like, that's cool. Somebody that's not even in our body that has been blessed by what our people are doing and serving. So uh, that's our hope, is that we can be this living water, whether it's at the Fall Fun Fest or how we walk it out day by day. And so when I went through my sabbatical, for those uh, that maybe you're freshmen here and, uh, or maybe you came uh, just recently, I took two months off where I went and traveled to all these different churches and going to churches that were uh, doing some great things for the Lord and just learning and sitting under some other pastors and, and sat, then spent some time with Lord 101 and just trying to hear from God and like, Lord, what is it that you're wanting to say? What, what is it you want us to do as a church? Because the culture is shifting so quickly. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. I was talking to uh, my, my kids, and it's like, it's so hard for kids today to remember a day there was no cell phone because they've not seen that day, right? We are talking about how do you get around without a cell phone? Well, it, it did happen beforehand, for those that don't know. It did. We had these really cool things called pagers. Yeah, anyway, it, it did work. We could get around before there were cell phones. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the smartphone uh, and, and the benefits of it. But we also know it has changed our culture tremendously, right? Within one moment, we can pull up any information we want. We can watch almost any movie just in the palm of our hand. And it's real easy to forget about the people that are right in front of us our friends and our loved ones that are eating dinner with them. And our culture has changed. Not all for the worse, but not all for the better. Well, let's go Lord in prayer and ask God how we can, we can engage the next 20 years as a church, engage this culture that our place where we live can be an even better place moving forward. Lord, we come before you and we are grateful, grateful, God, that you empower us through the Holy Spirit to be living water to those around us in our jobs, in our college, in our high schools, uh, in our day-to-day -day family life. Lord, you empower us. You've given us and equipped us for every good work, your word says. So I pray that we be inspired and encouraged by that. And then, Lord, as we look at some of the challenges ahead, that we would be reminded that prayer moves mountains, that you have all power, you have all authority, and that through prayer, you can move mountains. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got your listening guide, pull that out. We're gonna look at a bunch of different uh, Old Testament and New Testament passages when it comes to prayer, because prayer is connecting with God, and I wanna help you connect with God. Jimmy was talking about prayer, right? He was explaining how to pray and he talked about that past, and one of those is silence, listening. How do you listen and hear the voice of God? And how do you communicate with God? Because prayer is communication with God. So if I'm wanting to communicate with you, and, and let's just say I, I want to communicate with Doug there, and, and I went to Doug and I said, hey, Doug, let me tell you about my day. Here's what I did today. Here's what I'm doing tomorrow. Here's the things I'd like you to buy for me. And here's the things I'd like you to do for me. See you tomorrow, Doug. Thanks for the communication. And Doug goes, uh, and I say, see ya. That's not communication, right? That's me dumping 
and speaking at Doug, not communicating with Doug. Prayer isn't meant to be a one-way street. Prayer is a communication with God. It's calling out to him, praying to him, asking for things from him, praising him, thanking him, blessing him, but it's also listening for those answers. Lord, how now shall I respond? What is my answer in this difficult situation? Because we all go through difficult situations. And prayer is our communication with God. And the first thing I want you to see is that God invites us to know him through prayer. He invites this relationship to take place through prayer. And it's uncomfortable. I can demonstrate for you. Watch this. Silence killing anybody yet? It's hard, isn't it? It's just hard to slow down and listen. It's hard to take the time to listen for the voice of God in your life. I believe that's why we miss it so many times. We're so busy doing that we don't pause long enough, turn the phone off. And I'm telling you, this is a hard thing for me now because it's, it's like that phone is always with me. And so to sit there and start praying and it beeps and then you turn off the notification and it vibrates, you know? Anybody follow me? It's a challenge, right? But we got to do it. Maybe we need to put that phone in the other room when we pray. Maybe we need to have that, that war room the movie talks about called War Room where she would go in her closet and she had a room set up and leave the phone outside. But we've got to communicate with God. That's how we pray. We communicate with God. Now, in Daniel... Chapter 9, Daniel was one of the uh, leaders of the Jewish community. And in chapter 9, he talks about prayer and praying. And uh, verse 20 says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. Daniel was pleading with God for his city. I believe we've got to get back to pleading with God for our city, for our upper Cumberland area, asking God to do a new work in this city. Why do we all love living here? Man, I met people all the time that have moved here, and they keep telling me the same thing. Man, this is a friendly spot. People here are just really kind. They're considerate. And they give me examples of having moved here from another state, and they're like, you don't understand, I've never had this happen. He was talking about people waving at him when he drives. <laughs> and uh, I'll have to admit, I didn't understand that everybody didn't do that. I mean, when I moved to California for nine years, I got there and I was still like waving at people. You know, even if you're in a hurry, you give them the little two fingers off the steering wheel, right? It's like, <laughs> for those that are watching, if you've never been here, it's like you're driving, but you don't want to be impolite by not waving. So you're like giving the finger. It's the, it's not, it's the left finger. Let me say that. It's It's the... It's the index finger. You kind of just take it off your steering wheel and just kind of, kind of give the little wave, right? Well, I just thought that was like global, you know? And so I went to California, lived there for nine years, and I'm still in the same, oh, you know? You know? And, and, but then I realized that you raise the fingers to say hi, that's not a good thing. They don't think it's the index finger. And so then it kind of responds differently with different horns and stuff like that. So... The things we like about our culture, the friendliness, the generosity, the people that care, those come from our faith in Christ Jesus. 
They come from the fact that God has changed us from the inside out, and therefore we put people and value people and them above our own selves. That's what Christ teaches us, right? And so that's why there's a difference in our culture. And it's up to us, those of us in this room, to maintain that by continuing to put God first, others second, and ourselves third. But that's what God's called us to do. Daniel's praying. He's pleading, it says, not just like, Lord, help Cookville. He's pleading for Jerusalem. And then verse 21, he says, as I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, underline that in your Bible. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are precious to God. Now, men, we don't normally think of ourselves as precious, right? But the angel here is saying, Daniel, you're precious to God. You are important to him. He loves you. You have value. You are precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. So Daniel got to hear from God because he's crying out in prayer to God, right? And for us to hear from God, we need to cry out to God in prayer. We need to bring our petitions, our requests before him, and we need to specifically pray for our community, for the leaders of our community. We need to pray for the for the blessing of our community. We need to pray for the protection of our community. We need to ask that God do a great work. Uh, James 4.8, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. If we keep him at arm's length, he'll stay at arm's length. But when we pray, we give him the invitation for the relationship. Now, uh, it's been a hard week in our community for multiple reasons. But the best answer, I believe, is prayer. And second thing is God is moved by the corporate prayers of his people, not just individual prayers, but when we pray as a church together for things. Now, it's just hard to get everybody together, right? I mean, we, we come together on Sunday morning, and there's over a 1,000 adults on Sunday mornings. But to get people together for a prayer meeting some other time of the week, we've all got our different schedules. We've got ball. We've got work. We've got swing shift. We've got responsibilities. We've got all these different schedules, right? So it's a challenge to get everybody back together. But this corporate prayer, when I was on my, my time out, in my sabbatical, I was convicted that we need more corporate prayer. Jesus said his house should be a house of prayer. And so as we've been brainstorming how to do that, I feel like, first of all, I want to make sure that we have an opportunity for that. So at the end of this midterm, midweek, we're going to be moving into the winter midweek in, I think it's October. We're going to offer a midweek prayer time. Where we're going to invite people to come forward, be here together for midweek, and literally, if there's 20 of us or 200 of us, we're going to come and pray and ask God to do a mighty work. We're going to begin to bring these corporate prayer requests together and pray. Jimmy talked about the, the prayer wall. 
another great way that you can let us know what your prayers are and we can all pray together. But, but there's power in prayer. Ezra chapter eight, starting in verse 21, Ezra was one of the leaders that brought the people of Israel back from their captivity. And as he brought them back, they came back to, to start and build the temple. And as he was coming back, the travel was known to be dangerous. And so he, he's wrestling with what should he do to be protected because they're bringing a boatload of money. I mean, they're bringing a boatload of money to rebuild this temple that the king, as God would have it, because they've been praying, right? God had the king show favor on these folks, and he gave them the money to build the temple. He was not a, a follower of Yahweh. He wasn't a follower of the Jewish God, but he gave them money to build the temple. Pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, when God moves, you can't say no, right? So it says, and there, this is 21, and there by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us. You got your Bible out, circle all of us. All of us to fast and humble ourselves before God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from the enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayers. How can we be praying corporately together? If you go on to verse 31 and 32, it says that God's hand was on them and protected them, and they arrived safely. Too many times we don't pray. We don't pray corporately. We don't pray individually. Now, I'm not talking about the responsibility of I've got to check the box that I prayed, and I wrestle with that when we go on vacation because Sometimes I, I'm just not real good at praying protection when we travel. But this is an example of praying just before you go, Lord, we're about to travel. Would you protect us as we travel? Lord, we're about to go into this job application. Will you give me wisdom as I go to this interview to know what to say? Lord, I'm about to try to ask this girl out on a date. God, will you please give me courage and help me not to stumble over my words? Lord, I'm about to go take a test for college and I studied, but all of a sudden I'm so nervous I can't remember a thing. Lord, will you guide me and give me wisdom and insight? I want to just challenge all of us to consider the power of prayer and corporate prayer as we seek to do that. Now, we've, uh, we've walked through a bit of a tough time in this week as a community. Uh, I was just talking to somebody Big Tony's, I don't know if you saw that, but somebody played a practical joke on a local uh, businessman here and ordered a ton, when I say a ton, like a ton of pizza. And as a practical joke, didn't pick it up, and he was kind of left out to dry. Well, the beauty of that is people in the community found out about it, and the, <laughs> the line was out the door this week for Big Tony's because people wanted to show love and support for someone. That's the kind of community we want to live in, right? Well, then the, like two days later, the highlight, the headline of the newspaper that I got yesterday is drag queen in, at Tennessee Tech. 
If you haven't seen the video, I don't encourage you to watch it, but it's all over the internet. If you've been on social media, it's it's a big deal. And they showed the video. There were children there, and and uh, the president of, the, of Tennessee Tech came out and spoke against it, and saying that you know they're going to investigate. That's not the type of behavior that they authorize having children there. It's not acceptable. And so people are all over the board. I mean, I'm, I go on social media, and you go, wow. People are, people are responding. The question is, how should we respond if we want to be Christ River? That's the question, right? It's not whether these things are going to happen, because they will. We will continue to encounter things in our culture that will frustrate us, that we will go, that's wrong, that we'll be stirred inside. But the question is, how will we respond the way Christ would want us to respond? And I was grateful because I got to go to somebody put together an impromptu prayer meeting on Thursday night. We got together and just prayed for our community and said, hey, what, what should we do as churches? And there are multiple pastors there, multiple churches represented. And the answer is prayer. And that's where we came to. We came to, are we praying for our leaders? Are we letting our leaders know we support them and as they're seeking to do what God wants them to do? Are we praying for our, our community? Are we doing these things? So we're going to meet spontaneous meeting tonight. Bobby's inviting Life Church. I'm inviting the river. 6 p.m. tonight. I hope we just fill Dogwood Park. We're just going to meet behind the library there at 6 o'clock. We're not there carrying a political agenda. We're not there to say no to anything. We're there to say yes to Jesus. And we're going to go, and we're going to, we're going to worship God short uh, with a song or two, and then we're going to give everybody prayers, prayer cards, to just walk through the park. It's right at the center of our community, and we're just going to go and pray for our city and ask God, that he would begin to push out the garbage that he doesn't want here and fill this place with his presence and his love. See, when these things happen, what I see is there, there's usually the two extremes that get heard the most. Does that make sense? On one extreme over here, you got the folks that are like, this is our right, this is what we're gonna do, this is good for kids, and, and listen, okay? We have laws against public drunkenness. I've been going through this police chaplaincy program. It's been neat. You can drink and get drunk and be drunk in a bar, and you will not get arrested. But when you step out and you are publicly drunk, you get arrested because it seemed to be wrong to be doing that in the greater community. In the same way, there's protection, like it or not. There's freedom of religion, and there's freedom of speech. And so there, there is freedom to have a drag show but not to have children there. That's where the line is crossed. And there's a reason. Some things we have deemed as a community are inappropriate in a greater culture setting. And that's a decision we can make or not make. But the laws are actually there already. And so we have a choice. Where, where, do, we, where do we respond to this? Do we go on the point that says, hey, you know what, everybody deserves freedom? Do we go to the point over here of 
I'm going to call it legalistic Christianity that just wants to be right and just wants to be heard and wants to call out and, and say evil things about the people doing it? Or do we take Jesus' approach where he's on the cross after people have brutalized him and he looks out and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was praying for the people on the cross. You know why? He knew the enemy. The enemy is never the people. The enemy is Satan himself who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll use you and I to do it. He'll use those of us in the room to be the legalistic Christian that puts something out on social media like, whoever that person is, they deserve what they get, blah, 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 blah. And I haven't seen anybody's post. I refuse to look at your post. I don't want to see them, okay? I'm not looking at your post. I'm not looking. There may be nobody in here that made those posts, and I hope not. But the side over here, the legalistic Christian, just wants what they want. They're not considering the fact that even the drag queen is someone's son or daughter. And they may be brokenhearted. And that individual, just like the Roman centurion that put Jesus on the cross, he may be seeking, wondering, where is love in this world? And as we love them with the love of Christ and we pray for them, that is different than hating. Do we understand that? So at the same time, though, we, it doesn't mean we have to just lay down and say, hey, whatever y'all want to do publicly in our town is okay. You want to walk around buck naked and have sex on the square? Who cares? It's a free country. No, some things are inappropriate. Can we agree on that? And when those things take place, we, we have to speak up in love, but boldly saying this is our town too. And we're not going to allow things that are inappropriate to take place in a public setting where our kids can walk by and see them. But if we're going to get bold like that, you better be bold like that in your home. What's going on on your TV? I'm calling you out right now. Are you letting your kids watch stuff on TV that's no less worse than what they're complaining about? Are you honoring God? This is, where, this is where the Holy Spirit started bringing out the woodshed for me. Like, okay, Steve, you're getting a little riled up here, but what about in your own home, buddy? What are you watching on that TV? I don't want to. I'm done. I've already been to the woodshed. I, I'm... Well, that leads to point number three for all of us. Sincere prayers of repentance always get a yes. Oh, folks, this is the freedom. This is where freedom comes from. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God, God says. All of us. We've all dishonored God. We've all dishonored his, his word. We've all done things where we have fallen short of the glory of God. Maybe even the last two days. If we were to put a video camera over your head and put you on stage and show what you did the last 48 hours, you might not want to be on the stage, right? I might not want to be on the stage. When we mess up, we got to fess up and move on. Repentance brings freedom. People think God gave us rules to, to chain us. No, he gave us, gave us laws and principles to protect us and our children and our community from the evil that's out there. The closer we get to Jesus, 
the more this community is an amazing place to live. Because the closer I get to Jesus, the more he tells me to love my enemy, to pray for those that persecute me, to turn the other cheek. The closer I get to Jesus, the more he tells, us, tells me to stand up against evil, to be bold and courageous, to not be afraid when I'm brought before others because the Holy Spirit will speak the words of truth through me. It's, it's this weird tension that Christ modeled for us that we get to live out. This weird tension of boldness and truth with humility, sacrifice, and love. But when we mess up, we need to fess up. I'm going to skip over the Jonah passage and go straight to the John 10, 10 passage. Because I think we've got to remember the enemy. John 10, 10. The thief, he's talking about the devil. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run if he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he wants to fight for you. He wants to set you free from your prisons of addiction. He wants to set you free from the pain and brokenness of your past. He is the good shepherd who walks around with the stick, and the stick is not just to keep the sheep in line. It's to fight off the wolves. I got to, to go to Turkey for three uh, or two months, and we spent three days with a shepherd. And I got to learn from living in a shepherd's home, walking with him for two days out in the fields, that it's a real deal. They had wolves that they had to protect against. They had these awesomely big dogs, and they had these spiky necklaces around them so that the wolves couldn't kill them because the wolves would go for the jugular, and so they would put these spiky necklaces around them, and that that's the the way they protected themselves from the wolves. And the, the guy that was the uh, shepherd, he didn't have a staff, no. He's figured out what a double-barrel shotgun does to a wolf. <laughs> so <laughs> the staff is no longer needed. He literally walked, carried a double-barrel shotgun. And we need a little more double-barrel shotgun. We, when it comes to the wolf, not the sheep. We need to get to where we want to steal, kill, and destroy the enemy, Satan himself. And we do so, do so through our prayers, through our corporate prayers, through our love and compassion and truth, through our boldness that says, here we stand, while at the same time, our grace to say, if you're not standing, I still love you. I, st I stand in place of you. I stand for you. Had somebody ask me a question. It was a great question. We did the Fall Fun Fest yesterday, and, and uh, as I'm talking to somebody that was there, they said, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, certainly. They said, well, I was at the, uh, 
I was at the service last week, and you had us all stand if we were willing to stand for Jesus. She said, but, but what if somebody came into that booth right there right now where we were at, the river booth, and they had something in their pocket that was a stance that we disagreed with? Would we refuse to serve them, or would we ignore them? I said, where, where would you get that, that concept? She said, I, I just need to know. I, she wouldn't tell me what, what had happened that made her wonder that. It wasn't because of something she'd seen in us, but something she'd seen in her past. And I said, let me just say this. When we take a stand for Jesus, that doesn't mean that we're judging those that are sitting down. We're reaching our hand up saying, can we help? And anybody that comes in these doors, we're going to love. But this is a hospital, and we can't help people get healthy without helping them understand where their hurt's coming from. And the hurt comes from sin and rebellion against God. But Jesus comes to set us free. I want to ask you this morning, are you free? Are you free? Has Christ set you free? Uh, As Jimmy comes, I'm, I'm going to ask all of us to stand up. If you would just stand with me. And, and I, I want to I just ask you, are you free in your relationship with Christ? Oh, it's funny, I, I put this chair up here. Y'all been wondering what that green chair is there for the whole time, hadn't you? I was going to talk about the power of corporate prayer and how when we prayed for chairs, God gave us these lovely retro chairs. See, people pay a lot of money for this color now. 20 years ago, we were ahead of the times, weren't we, Jimmy? We had these lovely green chairs that somebody had donated to us. And... Um, Sorry, I forgot to tell them about my green chair. Yeah, you can sit there. Go ahead. (laughs) I believe Jesus is the hope of the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe he's the hope of the world? And and so, yeah. Can I just, can we just celebrate that? And, And if you haven't experienced that hope, we want you to. We are not here to point our finger and say, you should dress more like us, look more like us, talk more like us, be more like us. We're here to say, we want you to be like Jesus. Because if you're like us, you're going to be a mess like us. If you're more like Jesus, he will set you free from the inside out. So the invitation I have this morning uh, is to come over here to the left. If you just want to come and pray one-on-one with Jesus, maybe your heart is broken for somebody that is far from God. Maybe you just want to come and pray for our city and our community, our, our leaders. Come over here to, to my left, your right, and just pray. No one will pray with you because that's, that's a place of private prayer. If you want someone to pray with you, maybe you're wrestling with something that you need some encouragement. You need someone to love on you. Over here to my right, your left, just come and as you kneel, somebody will come and they'll pray and they'll say, hey, how can I pray with you? And then I'm going to be down front. And if you have never found freedom from your past, freedom from your sin, freedom in Christ Jesus, come. And let me just pray with you, talk with you. And if you need to just have a moment where you can talk privately with somebody. We have a couple in the prayer room in the back to my left who will listen and pray and take the time, okay? So as Jimmy plays, you do as God Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. 
If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.